1: Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. I'm Liz Gill. Hey, the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker, she is away today, but we've got Charlie Melton to help us out. Welcome back, Charlie. Well,
0: thank you. I'm glad to be here.
1: You know, I think uh, we're both a year older <laughs> when you were with us last year, so that means you've been a mechanic for over 30 years and with 18 of those years at the Clinton High School's Career Complex.
0: Yes, that is true.
1: So what are, what are your kids working on this month in the shop?
0: Well, we're learning about electrical, the kids are learning about electrical, and they are learning about engine performance Okay, this year, talking about a whole bunch of sensors.
1: Excellent. So today, we're going to talk about what repairs you might be able to tackle yourself between the vehicle repair questions. I am... I don't know, scale of 1 to 10, maybe I'm a 3 on the uh, repairing the car things. I guess one thing that I can do is replace windshield wipers.
0: That's a pretty easy job.
1: <laughs> so if, if someone's windshield wipers are, what, what, what's a sign that they need to be replaced?
0: Uh, the rubber starts coming off them or the wind starts streaking every time the weather comes. It rains and the wind starts streaking, then that's time to replace those windshield wipers.
1: Okay. What's another really easy thing that a person could do by themselves? Maybe if they listened to us or watched a video, what's another really
0: easy thing to do? I would say your air. Filter is probably the easiest.
1: Oh, okay. See, I've kind of been now the cabin or the engine
0: air filter. Uh, both of them are pretty easy. The cabin filter is usually behind the glove box. Okay. And you just pull the glove box down, uh-huh. and there's a little door, and you just pull the filter out, replace it with another. One. Oh. It takes about five minutes.
1: Wow. Okay. Well, now here's here's my question. I have, and you you know you may or may not know this. I have a. 2006 Dodge Grand Caravan and at some point I thought they said you had to take the whole dashboard off to get to it
0: no you never had to it makes it very simple to pull the cabin filters off because either they're behind the glove box or they're right inside the engine right there at the cowl of the car okay very (gasps) simple I'm gonna try that one Oh, my goodness, I'm going to try that
1: one. Okay, so uh, replacing the air filter, uh, what's another one that folks could probably do with a little prompting?
0: I would think if you wanted to check your battery. I think the battery, so many people neglect the battery, I think that would be the easiest thing next to do is check your battery.
1: Okay, now, I did the wrong thing one time. (laughs) I have replaced a battery. Uh, Being with Allison, she's a big a proponent of before you go replacing things willy-nilly, make sure that thing is the thing that needs to be replaced. But I was in the Murrah High School parking lot and took out my daughter's battery and then went to a place and got another battery and and came back and, and put it in. So I have, and I but I read like the instructions on how to do that safely. Um, how do you know when a, a battery, what, what could you use to test it to see if a battery needs to be replaced?
0: Well, the thing is a lot of times your check engine light would come on or your battery light would come on your dash. And as it comes on the dash, you know there's something wrong with the charging system I'll give you a little good example about a young man uh, this week at school he took a battery uh, and the battery was going bad he had to jump it off every day and he came to the shop and we put a multimeter on it and we checked his alternator his alternator was putting out about 14.7 volts and that's good and I told him it was the battery somewhere around the battery so he leaves the shop and he decides to take it to the auto parts store and the auto parts store told him it was the alternator Oh, And so he brought it back to me and I told him, I said, no, it's your battery. We'll check it one more time. And it ended up being a $2 part for the battery cable. It was corroded.
1: Okay. Now, I I know when we had a battery corrosion problem and you can buy like these little bristle brushes that are on the outside that you you, like put it over the terminal and a bristle brush kind of cleans off the coating is that a good thing to do or if you've got gunk then there's a problem
0: the easiest way to clean a battery and this is what i show my students at school is that you crank the vehicle up You take a little bit of water, and you pour it on the battery post, and it will eat all that corrosion off that battery. But
1: not Coca-Cola?
0: Never (laughs) Coca-Cola. My daughter just had somebody pour a whole Coke on her battery terminal this week, and I told her, I said, that was not the way to go.
1: Okay. You heard it here, folks. Do not pour the Coca-Cola on the battery. Just do water. We're talking about what repairs you might be able to tackle yourself between your vehicle repair questions. Uh, here's one that, that I've done and I taught all my kids to do is changing a flat tire.
0: Changing a flat tire, um, Yes, that's an easy thing, but you want to make sure that your car has a spare tire.
1: Yeah, that we're we're in the 21st century.
0: Right, a lot of cars do not. Uh, manufacturers do not have spare tires. They use a air compressor and a bottle of foam for the tire.
1: Okay, that's commonly one of the brands is Fix a Flat. Mm-hmm. So you might need to keep that in the car. Do that. Did the, do the auto dealers at least give you a free can of fix-a-flat in the truck?
0: They put that in there with the compressor. Okay. Now, another thing you can think about, too, a lot of cars today are using run-flat tires, and that means that the tire, you could have a blowout, and it will run for about 50 or 60 miles so you can get somewhere so they can fix that tire.
1: And when, it, when you go 50 or 60 miles, how, how do you need to drive?
0: about 50 miles an hour.
1: <laughs> so not naming any names, my third child. <laughs> Don't drive 70 on the interstate with a spare tire or a fix-a-flat.
0: And then we have some tires that are called, they self-seal. So if you puncture a tire, run over an nail, the tire will seal itself. So they're making a lot of tires now where you do not have to fix the flat.
1: What they just won't come up with now. That's right. Okay, give, hit, hit me with another one that's a kind of easy fix for someone if uh, they were shown how to do, they might be able to do.
0: Uh, replacing headlight bulbs in a uh, composite-type headlight. Uh, that means that it's just the bub. You don't replace the bu- headlight itself. You're just replacing the bub. And usually there's a little cover on the back of the light, and you could just pull that cover out, and it usually has a little screw there, or it twists in and out. But you want to make sure that you never touch the light bulb itself with your hands because of the oil on your hands. That means the light will blow out a lot quicker.
1: (gasps) Bing, 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 bing. That was on my list. That's one of the things I could do. And I was sort of proud. I was visiting my mom, and my brother couldn't do it. I think his hands were too big. This was a Toyota Camry, maybe, and you had to kind of stick your hand... Folks at home, you can't see me. I am sticking my elbow up in the air and turning my hand sideways to kind of reach around behind, so that you can get a good grip on the bulb from the the, the side.
0: Need to be a little contortionist there, right. trying to turn and right. move. Right. All right.
1: Okay. Let's uh, let's do uh, let's do one more. What's another super uh, pretty easy thing for someone to replace themselves?
0: Another thing you could do: brakes, uh, disc brakes. And doing disc brakes, you just have to be careful because on a lot of cars, you cannot do the brakes due to they have to turn in the caliper instead of turning uh, pushing in the piston. You have to turn it in, so you guys that'll take a little bit more. But you can watch a video or somebody just lead you, and you can do those pretty simple.
1: When you are watching or looking for a video of, here is a guy replacing a X. Ex- Y-Z. What should you look at for that kind of individual so you know that that video person knows how to do it? Can you think of anything?
0: Make sure you he's not using a hammer.
1: <laughs> because I see
0: a lot of people use a hammer. That's the first thing. It don't move. They start hitting it with a hammer. Do not use a hammer on the vehicle. So that's one of the main things.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Watch the video. If there's a hammer in the video, you need to find a different video. That's about it. <laughs> oh, I love that. Let's go to Steve in Memphis. Steve, thanks so much for calling in to AutoCorrect today. Go ahead.
2: Uh, yeah, I've got a 2013 Chevy Tahoe, and i got a hum device on it, and it's to my phone. And it's telling me i got a bad oxygen sensor. And I was wondering, how do you find out which oxygen sensor it is?
0: Okay, most of the time on the uh, scan tool or the uh, app that you have, will either say bank one or bank two, upstream or downstream. Now, the upstream oxygen sensor is really the one that you're really worried about. That is the one that controls the air-fuel ratio of the vehicle. The downstream uh-huh. checks the catalytic converter and making sure that the emissions are correct. But most okay. of the time, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: Well, it's saying something about my exhaust system with it, so
0: I didn't know. Okay, it's according I mean, which, like, say, if it's saying something about the exhaust system, that's probably the downstream, and it's probably saying catalyst insufficient. And if uh, it's saying catalyst insufficient, is talking about the catalytic converter is not uh, recycling the emissions the way it should be, and that check engine light will come on about seventy-five percent uh, when something's wrong with the catalytic converter.
2: Should I replace the oxygen sensor
0: or I need to check into my catalytic converter? I would, uh, it's a lot cheaper to replace the uh, oxygen sensor than it is to replace that catalytic converter. So I would do that because it could just be a lazy oxygen sensor. That means that it's not working like it should. It's working sometimes. and not working others. And you usually change oxygen sensors, all of them at one time. Don't just replace one. Replace all of them at one time because if there's any contamination whatsoever coming to the exhausts, if it's coolant or if it's some kind of sealer, oil, they will uh, read bad. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Thank you.
1: If that last call did not uh, show that Charlie Melton knows what he's talking about and I have no idea what he said, then uh, you know we've got a good one here today, folks. You could send us an email with your questions, auto at mpbonline.org. We're going to continue our discussion of easy repairs when we come back from our break. Is your car under recall? We have a list of ones that are in just a bit. You're listening to Autocorrect on MPB Think Radio. you're listening to Autocorrect. I'm Liz Gill and I'm with my special guest host today Charlie Melton, Master ASE Technician. Now if you want even more Autocorrect, find our podcast on all the platforms that are for your smart device. Here are the recalls for the last two weeks. (coughs) We've got 139,000 Toyota cars SUVs and EVs we did a uh, Charlie we did a acronym show so I know that EVs are electronic Uh, vehicles there's also two point a different one for 2.9 million Toyota cars and hybrids I'm thinking those were some of the airbag recalls. Uh, we got a lot, so I didn't put all the reasons why. The 2020 Hyundai Kiona Kona's, the 2003 and 2004 Pontiac Vibe, the 2014 and 15 Cadillac Cadillac CTS, and the 2020 Jeep Wrangler. Now you can find out if your car has a past recall by going to the National Highway transportation safety administration's website that's nhtsa.gov slash recall and you just put in your vin number we're talking about easy repairs we're also taking your vehicle repair questions uh charlie teaches at the career complex at Clinton Public, Clinton High School, so he teaches the kids there, and you have, you mentioned your your daughter with the battery, so you've got kids of your own?
0: I do have kids of my own, and as teaching these students, uh, it's it's a job, and we really teach safety a lot, and I was going to talk about a little of the safety, uh, especially when you said something about electric vehicle. You know, electric vehicles, uh, they're hybrid vehicles. Uh, some of them got an electric uh, motor, and they have a gasoline or combustion motor and a lot of times people start getting under the hood and they don't understand that it has a 12 volt battery but it has a high voltage battery and the high voltage battery and you can always look for it it has a orange cable a big orange cable and that always tells you that it's high voltage and you need to be very careful even if you're doing brakes or anything on one of those type of vehicles
1: don't pour coke over your high voltage vehicle (laughs) cable don't do that (laughs)
0: If you ever have
1: a question for uh, AutoCorrect, we'd love for you to email it anytime, auto at mpbonline.org. Let's, uh, let's go with some more easy repairs. One thing that I have done is is i know where the fuse boxes are you know sometimes uh, there's one maybe in the cabin and possibly under the dashboard or over by the glove box and then there's one inside and i know usually they have extra fuses so that's something, you if something doesn't work, you can try to replace the fuse or look to see if it's
0: blown. Well, that's a good thing. If you're talking about fuses, that a uh, matter of fact, I'm teaching that in the school right now to my students about the amperage rating of fuses. You d- do not ever replace one amperage with a higher or lower amperage fuse. Color-coded, folks. Color-coded fuses, and make sure you put it back with the same color. Um, you just want to make sure that you have a fuse panel on the under the hood most likely under the dash on the left side and in the glove box. And there are some in the back of the trunk, if you have a car, in the back of the trunk as well. Okay. And there are relays right along with them. So if a fuse did not work, it could be the relay as well.
1: And a lot of times, is this old school? Did they used to have a fuse puller
0: or does that come with a kit? Uh, They still have a fuse puller. Some of them are still put in the car, but most of them come with a kit.
1: Okay. Now, is there any safety thing you need to know when you're checking to see if you're replacing swapping out fuses other than the color coding make sure like and like
0: i just make sure that you put it back where it belongs because a lot of people take fuses out and there's a lot of blank uh places where fuses go and they put it in the wrong slot yeah no (laughs) so you want to make sure so if it didn't work you need to just make sure you put it back in the wrong right slot Methodical
1: would be yes. a good a good term for that yes all right that ends my <laughs> that ends a lot of my automotive repair uh, accomplishments tell me tell me some more what's maybe the next thing I could maybe be thinking about
0: let's talk about a fuel filter. there are fuel filters out there still that are on the rail or on the frame of the vehicle, and as the fuel filter it some of them just unscrews uh, the lines unscrew, but a lot of them now will take uh, a certain tool to undo the line and then a lot of them now are in the fuel tank itself so fuel filters are pretty hard to change anymore so i wouldn't really mess with that if you didn't have a older vehicle now
1: all right right but uh learning what you can do with your car that can save you money lots of money because they're always happy to, can I change your wiper blades for you? And then they've got the cost to change the wiper blades and then the, the price of the wiper blades that they'll sell you, which may possibly be more than you could get if you went to a, a different auto parts store.
0: And you can get parts, different uh, quality parts. You need to watch that, too, as a lot of people buy parts offline, and you just got to know what you're getting for your money. Uh, I look at it a lot of this time. If you're talking to teach people how to work on vehicles, I'm in per- to preventive maintenance. And you can prevent a lot of things if you just know how to check your vehicle, know how to uh, do minor things. And I always tell my students to go to the owner's manual. And if you go to the owner's manual, you can find a lot of stuff for what the manufacturer wants you to do at certain times.
1: See, folks, it's not just Allison that says read your owner's manual first. Here we've got Charlie Melton from the Clinton uh, High School Career Complex. And he's telling everybody, read your owner's manual. If you have a used car, contact the dealer, contact the manufacturer. A lot of times they'll give you a new owner's manual for free. Uh, You need to make sure you've got your owner's manual and if you're If you're driving somewhere and you're not the driver, if you're riding somewhere, you know, just peruse your owner's manual while you're making a trip.
0: And you can get on the uh, internet and you can find a lot of uh, sites that will give you information about your vehicle. A lot of forums out there talking about if you have some type of problem that you can uh, type in and it will help you as well. I make sure that my students go to forums and read because sometimes other people. Have already figured out the problem and it's easier if you just go by what somebody else else says sometime.
1: I've liked that too. Sometimes you learn little tips and tricks about your vehicle by going to an owner's forum for your specific uh, make of car and your your brand. They may have you know, figured something that, you know, the the dealer or whoever sold you your
0: car didn't know. Right. So we start looking at different types of vehicles today. Most vehicles today have all the computers. Now, that makes it hard because I know a lot of people used to go to salvage yards and get parts for their car. Today, the parts are made exactly for that car. You cannot interchange parts in a salvage yard for other parts in a car now. They had to be reprogrammed.
1: Uh, you know, we're getting better cars, but <laughs> sometimes that means things are a little bit more expensive. More for them. expensive. But then the cars last so much longer now.
0: Well, we used to have vehicles that lasted about 50,000, 60,000 miles. Now we have vehicles that last hundreds of thousands of miles. I got one that has 338,000 miles on a Toyota Camry.
1: Right. I, I think. I wasn't paying attention, and I went past the 222,222 222 miles. I noticed when it was 223, like one mile ago. Man, I wish I'd taken a picture of it.
0: That's right. You know, So you just maintain the vehicle, do the maintenance on it, and these vehicles will last a long time
1: let's go back to our topic what are what's another easy repair that someone could do uh, to save themselves some money
0: I think uh, changing hoses on the car for the radiator hoses, that would be another thing that you could change. And to change the coolant, pretty good. But you want to make sure that the engine is completely cool before you change the radiator hoses or even open up the radiator cap. You want to make sure that it's completely cool.
1: What would you look for? How would you know you might need to change a radiator hose?
0: Uh, It would get soft and it uh, could crack and soften. Sometimes they're hard. So there's several different things that you can look for on that to make sure.
1: And when would you need to open the radiator to add coolant?
0: First of all, you should never have to add coolant unless there is a leak. Oh, okay. Right. Now, you do replace the coolant at a certain uh, interval, but you should never have to add coolant if it's not leaking. Okay.
1: You can send us an email to, for our show, auto at org just any time. What's an unreliable car not to buy? We're going to get to that after the break. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio.
0: The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere.
1: Thank you for listening to autocorrect on mpb think radio we have charlie melton from the clinton high school career complex as my guest today allison walker the lady auto mechanic is away thank you for your contributions to mississippi public broadcasting you uh, we couldn't do this without y'all You can, our contributions, we rely on them to pay for our national programming and keep our high standards and you can make your contributions on the mpb public media app that's also the way you can listen to our show and listen to our podcasts now CarComplaints.com is a resource for unreliable car information today we're going to caution you about the 2013 nissan ultima there were a lot of reported engine problems with that particular make and model Consumer Reports also lists vehicles that have a record of much worse than average overall reliability based on subscriber responses to their Annual auto survey. So please consider reading up on the reliability of any used car before you purchase it. If you're interested in reviews of new cars, Casey Williams is the automotive correspondent for WFYI, a public radio station in Indianapolis. He's reviewed cars and covered the auto industry for over 25 years not quite as long as Charlie has been a mechanic and his reviews this week are on the 2020 Subaru Outback Touring and the 2021 EV Hummer so we know EV is electric vehicle the 20 just saying that kind of in the 21 model cars is different <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about easy vehicle repairs this hour but we also want to take your phone calls. So let's go to George in Columbus. George, thanks for calling in to autocorrect. Go ahead.
2: Would you please review how to jumpstart a vehicle from another vehicle?
0: Okay, jump and start uh, vehicle from another vehicle. There are several different ways. Um, there are some batteries that are in the back of the vehicle that are in the yeah. trunk that you cannot get to to jump it off. And on that type of vehicle, you would have a positive post in the under the hood, and you would have a negative post under the hood, just a stud sticking up where you would take and jump it off. But let me tell you how to jump it off any type of car. Uh, you take a set of jumper cables, and now you can go buy jumper cables that are real cheap, that, are, that won't do a good job, or you can buy you a good set of jumper cables, but you always go from positive to positive. That means go from the good car that you're using to jump off to the positive on the bad car. Then you go to the negative on the good car, and you go to the frame on the bad car. Now the reason why I'm telling you go the frame because the first thing as soon as you hit, hook that negative up to that uh, bad battery it's going to spark and a car puts off hydrogen at the time when it sparks and you know hydrogen is flammable so you want to be very careful there but it's just from positive to positive negative and then to ground because the battery is connected to ground so very simple but you you never want to make sure you want to make sure that you do not cross. The jumper cables, where you put negative on positive, or you'll blow the fuse, uh, the main fuse in the car, and then you will have more trouble. Does it have any effect on the computers in the car? If you um, reverse polarity, it will. That means if you don't, if you put the negative on the positive when it doesn't suppose to, it could blow up the computer as well, burn the computer out. But that's what that fuse is for, that 175-ounce fuse, to help you protect that as well. Thank you very much. Yes, sir.
1: Thanks, George. We appreciate you calling in. And now they have gizmos that you can carry around in your car. A, a, what do they call it, a jump box or something? A jump something? box,
0: yes, it is. It's the same thing as a set of jumper cables, but you'd have to do the exact same thing.
1: Okay. That I guess if you if you had a... If you wanted to be the good Samaritan or if uh, you had an iffy battery but didn't quite want to go get it uh, replaced yet, you could carry that around? You could
0: carry that around and use it to jump your vehicle off, yes.
1: Or if your house looks like a used car showroom and you have five cars at your house and there's always somebody's battery is about to go, it's you know might be good to it's have good that to around have the
0: house. I uh, got one of those in my vehicle for that same reason. Excellent. Excellent. Let's talk
1: a little bit about what you could do for your tires. What are some repairs you could do for your tires or what are some good ways to maintain your tires so you don't need a repair?
0: I think we neglect our tires quite often is that... Uh, Uh, We don't know how to air them up. Uh, people look at the sidewall of the tire and it says 44 pounds per square inch PSI. And that's how much they put in it. But that is not how much those tires, uh, carry. If you open the driver's door and you look on the door, there is a sticker that will tell you exactly how much air to put in your tires. Because if you underinflate a tire, it will wear on the inside and outside of the tire. If you overinflate the tire, it's going to wear on the middle of the tire. So you really need to be careful. Just don't always go by that, uh, little light in the car that says has a flat tire on it. You might want to just check check those every time. And always fill the tire up. When you air a tire up, always do it when it's cold because the air expands when it gets hot. All right. And that little plate there, that's also where you can find your VIN number for your car. You can find the VIN number for that. And I always tell my students that... Even though the VIN number is there, always look on the dash for the VIN number because somebody could change the door and it would be a different VIN number. Ooh,
1: all right. Okay. But if it's your car and you know your door hasn't been changed out and you want to find out about if your car has had a recall, that's one place where you could find the VIN number. Sure. Sometimes that's a little easier to see than kind of looking through the glass. For and the, there are the a lot of
0: times car. now that manufacturers put the VIN number on your glass and on oh, uh-huh. different parts of the car.
1: Okay. I have to say, I'm going to go ahead and admit it. I was in a hurry and I let them talk me into etching my VIN number in the glass at the dealer, which, you know, I probably didn't need to do that. Didn't need to. I paid, so you don't have to. Do not pay the dealer to etch your VIN number into the glass. Don't pay extra for that. You don't. You don't need to do that. Okay, <laughs> let's go to Wayne County, V. Thanks for calling in today. Go ahead.
2: Yes. Would you explain the procedure to change the driver's side outside mirror? And the next question, what instrument and size um, to change the engine filter on the Toyota Camry?
0: Okay, first let's go to the glass, because it sounds like uh, maybe the mirror has been knocked off or the glasses fell out of the mirror. Yes. So if that's the case, what happens is that inside the door, it has to come out. You had to open the door, take the panel off of the door, or maybe just a little panel at the edge of the door on the inside, and then there's three bolts in there that will you take loose, and then you can replace that mirror. But the only thing on the mirror, you have to have that mirror painted. The outside of it has to be painted because they usually just come in black. So you'd have to have it painted to your car. But it's a pretty simple job if you know how to take that panel off, and a lot of panels have clips on it, and if it's an older model car, those clips break, and then a lot of uh, panels, you had to pull up on them in order to get them off, so you need to be very careful with the panel, and then, I, yes?
2: Excuse me, where would I find the, the instrument? To, I see three
0: screws here, bolts, like Yeah, they... Uh, Okay, now you probably they're probably torque head, and that means they're a six point type of screw, not a Phillips. And at that type you just have to go buy this uh, certain type of tool to take those off. The, uh they're called Torquehead T O R X Torque Yeah. And they come in either from a T fifteen all the way up to a T fifty five. And yours is about probably a T fifteen or a T twenty five on that particular car.
1: Hang on, V. Uh, we haven't had them on the show yet, but I understand AutoZone often will allow you to rent tools. Could she? Could someone rent a torque? Screw? What did you call it?
0: A uh, torque bit a or torque a torque screw? Screw. Bit, do you yeah. think
1: is that rentable, or No, is that's, it?
0: that's too cheap? It's, oh, okay. It's something that costs you probably about ten dollars to buy. Oh,
1: okay. Okay. And then what was what was your other question, V? The the side view mirror. Oh, the engine filter.
2: The engine filter. What instrument um, size? Um, um, instrument to change. There's a boat, two bolts on the outside of the engine filter cover. So what size instrument?
0: That's probably a 10-millimeter uh, socket. Uh, that's usually the size that they use to put those covers on, a 10-millimeter.
2: That's for a 10-millimeter socket. Yes, ma'am. Thank you.
0: You're so welcome.
1: Oh, V, we're glad that you've called in. We've got another call. Let's go to uh, Renee in Utica. Renee, how are you doing today?
2: Thanks for calling
1: in to AutoCorrect.
2: All right. Okay. I have two little short, simple questions. One, I would like to know how often should you check your tire pressure and two, is it necessary to check your oil level every month?
0: What uh year's your car? In 2007. 2007, it has a uh, tire pressure monitoring system on it where the little oh. light comes on in the dash. Does it have that? Mine, does, mine doesn't have that. Okay. So if it doesn't have that, I would check it once a month. <clears throat> okay. Just to make sure that the air pressure, because what happens is that over time, air pre- the air will leak out of the tire. And that is one of the reasons that uh, dealerships and manufacturers went to nitrogen in their tires is because it don't leak out as fast. And so the oxygen does leak out. So I've checked that every month. Okay. And what about checking the oil? Your oil should be checked every month as well, or even often, it, if you have a oil leak, if you think you have an oil leak, I would check it more often. But I would check it once a month if you don't know anything's wrong with it, because the engine could be burning a little oil. At 2007, that's quite that's several years back, so it could be burning a little bit. So I would check it about every month.
2: All right. Thank you.
1: You're Thanks. welcome. Now, for Renee, when, or when anyone is going to check their tire pressure, you know, they've got the little caps. It's important, question mark, to make sure you put the little cap back on.
0: That's called the valve stem cap, and they come in black and green. Green is nitrogen. Oh, okay. So you know what that cap is, oh. and black is just regular air. Okay. Now, a lot of people take it back to the dealership to put uh, nitrogen in a tire. You can replace the air with—I mean—that nitrogen with the air, even though it has nitrogen in it. Okay,
1: but you—you want to make sure you put a cap back on yeah. top of the valve stem because, like, if a rock or something got in rock there, rock or
0: dirt, and uh, would get in there and push down on the core, and it would come, air would come out. Yes. All right. So but make sure you have the cap on it.
1: Make sure you have the cap on it. Okay, Renee. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Let's take uh, one more call before our break. Let's go to Tupelo. Bradley, thanks for calling in today. Go ahead.
2: Oh, hello. I was wondering how do you
0: evaluate
2: a used car, an older one?
0: Well, this is what I would do if I had that, Bradley. I would take the car. First of all, I would check the oil in it and see what the oil looks like. If it's thick and uh, the viscosity is real thick in it, then black. Now, not necessarily just because it's black don't mean that it's bad. It just hasn't been changed for a while. But you don't make sure that it didn't look like uh, chocolate milk because it looked like chocolate milk. That means you have water in the okay. oil. So you want to be very careful about that. You want to check your shocks. uh, Look for any rust on the vehicle, underneath the vehicle. And uh, just really look and visualize it first. And I think that's the first thing you need to do is check everything out, open the hood, look at it, make sure everything works. And then uh, test drive it and see how it feels. And then if it feels good, then get it on the highway and let's see how the transmission drives and check the transmission fluid. Now, when I say check the fluids and the transmission fluids, you want to make sure that you check transmission fluid while it's hot. And if it smells, you pull the dipstick out and if it smells burnt, then I wouldn't get that vehicle because that means something's wrong with the transmission most of the time. Okay, If you take the radiator cap and there's a white, oily-looking substance in there, I wouldn't get the vehicle neither. There could be oil leaking somewhere into the coolant system. So there's a lot of different ways uh, that you could check it out to make sure that you're not going to get uh, a bad car. Wow, I should have been taking notes. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Well, Bradley, Um, you'll
1: be able to hear this show again. We post all of our shows uh, multiple different ways. It'll be on our website, which is autocorrect.mpbonline.org. And then it's also available as a podcast. So if you have a smart device, a phone or a tablet, if you, it's an Apple product, it'll already have a podcasting platform. If it's Android, you can download one. And if you just look for our podcasts, autocorrect. It'll be up this afternoon where you can hear it again, and uh, if that fails, you could send us an email. Our address is auto at mpbonline.org, and we'll send you the link where you could listen to it on your computer. All right. You're welcome. So, Charlie, uh, if you're buying a used car from a used car dealer, you can't evaluate the previous owner you can evaluate the car but not the previous owner if you are buying it from a person that way you could eat and you see chocolate milk or whatever you can kind of see how they treated it so is it kind of a, a look at the car and look
0: at the way it was treated I would think that would be a lot of the ways that you could evaluate uh, if it's a one-car owner, if it's uh, been going through three or four different owners because different people drive different ways. uh, You could check it that way as well. But you really just wanted to see how mechanical sound the vehicle is. Uh, I usually, like, personally myself, I would not buy a car if it had over 150,000 miles on it. That's just my opinion. You know, other people will buy them with more, but most of the time, less than 150,000 miles on them.
1: And if you check the oh what do you call it not the credit report what do you call it? like the the facts. the, 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 fa- car, the facts. car facts you can see how many people have owned
0: it right and you can see if there was any body damage you can't really see if there's any mechanical problems but you can see if there was any accidents on the car or whatever
1: we're discussing easy car repairs we're also taking your repair questions you can send us an email auto at mpbonline.org what's in the news we'll let you know in just a bit this is autocorrect on mpb think radio
2: deep south dining is the show all about the culture of southern flavor from fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our mpb public media app
1: This is AutoCorrect. Just one of the 15 call-in shows on MPB Think Radio. One place to find our program is our website, autocorrect.mpbonline.org. Here's what's in the news, and I think they may have already talked about this on Everyday Tech, but a bill was filed in the Vermont legislature that would make some of the characters customizable uh, option for license plates. Uh, And if the bill passes, Vermont would be the first state in the USA to allow emojis Hmm. on their license plates. That's pretty neat. So it's unclear which emojis are included in the proposition, but the most popular emojis in general are the face with tears of joy, the red heart, the smiley face, and the rolling on the floor laughing face, according to Unicode Consortium, which sets the international standards for character including emojis so i'm liz gill and sitting in for the lady auto mechanic is charlie melton from clinton high school's career complex charlie we did get an email saw carrie sent in they have a 20 uh, no they have a 1994 chevy truck with a 6.5 turbo diesel engine and they said it's All it's doing is blowing black smoke. I've replaced the fuel filter and it is not skipping. I don't know what else to do.
0: Well, on a diesel, that's a lot of things. On a diesel, if you replace the uh, fuel filter, it could be injectors that are leaking. And when uh, injectors leak, that means it's putting more fuel down there and means that the vehicle is running real rich. That means it's burning a whole bunch of fuel. It could be in the injectors. What I would do first is go ahead and get you some seafoam, uh, that is a chemical that you can put down in your fuel system, or injector cleaner, and it will clean those injectors for you. And that may stop all that smoke coming through there. And The next thing I would do after that, you know, it's a little bit more technical, is start talking about the uh, turbo system on that.
1: All right. Let's take our last call. It is uh, Lehman from McGee, Arkansas. Hey, my husband's from Dumas. We drive up there through uh, Greenville and Lake Village all the time going to uh, my mom's house in Russellville and on Petty Jean. Uh, Go ahead, Lehman. Thanks for calling into AutoCorrect.
2: Thanks for taking my car. I wanted to speak to the mechanic. I well not speak to him. He was talking about cars with lots and lots of mileage on them. Yes. I have a 2001 uh, Kia Spectre that I bought with 46,000 miles on it. I've got exactly 335,000 miles on it now. I've changed oil exactly twice. In it. I've never changed the, the fluid in the filter and the transmission. And those cars will hold up. They'll last forever if you just take care of them. And I drive hard. I drive 7 and 80 miles an hour. It'll where I go. And you've only changed the oil twice? Only changed my oil twice. Uh, When I got it, it had 46 miles on it. I changed it at about 100,000, about 90,000. The first oil change that they told me to change it. And then after that, I didn't change it no more until I had about 150,000 miles on the car.
0: So they told you to change the oil at 90,000 miles?
2: No, they said I, I lost what I was my, my fault then. But uh, I changed the oil. When I got the car, it, it had 46 miles on it. And when I changed it again, it had probably 3,000 miles on it. Right. And I didn't change it no more. I use Mobile One all, constantly all the time. I changed it again at 100,000 miles, and uh, now I got 335,000 miles on it, and it hasn't been
0: changed since. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing: you are one lucky son of a gun. That for that car to last that long with uh, not changing the oil, because most cars today are anywhere between uh, 7,500 and 13,000 miles, and that's a most likely uh, Ford trucks and all those uh, diesels change at 15,000. Is the most so you're very fortunate. Those, like I say, uh, if you keep running it like that, hey, I hope that thing goes a half million miles.
1: Lehman from McGee with the magic car. <laughs> that's it. We, we are glad you have that special one, but nobody else needs to do that. But thank you so much for sharing that with us. Three hundred thirty-five thousand miles—that's a lot. Well, Charlie, we're so glad that you've been with us. And now, who's listening to this show today?
0: Well, I just want to give a shout out to my students, uh, Ryan Holloway and my entire class because they're all anticipating listening to this later tomorrow. Go arrows. That's go arrows.
1: <laughs> well we will be this'll be a great show, had a lot of good content on what you need to do to get your car fixed up what you can do yourself.
0: Anytime. All
1: right. This is going to wrap us up for AutoCorrect. Our call screener for today was Jay White, and our board engineer was Michelle McAdoo. Thank you, Charlie Milton from Clinton High School. You're such a good sport for coming in. We really appreciate it. I'm Liz Gill, and we hope you'll join us each Thursday at 10 a.m. for AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio.